What's good, y'all? My name is Jonathan Dumas, and this is the Real Talk with Dumas podcast, where I have real conversations with the people I see every day because we don't know what we miss until we miss them. And I got another dope guest for y'all this week, but wanted to remind y'all of some dope ways to continue to support the show besides, you know, listening. Um, The first is you can like, subscribe, share, and leave a review. It really helps folks discover the show, find us, listen to us. It would be great. The second one, follow RTWD on IG at RTWD Podcast. You know, DM your boy, ask questions, uh, send me your thoughts about the show, send me your, um, you know, constructive feedback because, you know, (laughs) bad feedback is bad feedback. And then also, uh, finally, by joining the Real Fam on Patreon, um, by financially supporting the show, it is a great way to support us. This is not free to put this thing on. And um, yeah, help us out. And also, all those who have joined The Real Fam already, I know I owe you stuff. Um, I have been, all of my intention has been going to Common Culture. If you don't know what Common Culture is, you have not been listening to the show, but uh, Common Culture is my business. So if you um, just wait patiently, I'll get all that stuff to you. I will make it up to you 100%. All right, now on to my guest. This week, I am joined by Ify Ibekwe. Ify is an estate planning attorney, evangelist for energy. Ify is an estate planning attorney evangelist for intergenerational wealth transfer and legacy building with effective wills and trusts. She activates intentional women so that so they can take agency over their lives and build impactful legacies. As a black businesswoman and attorney, she is not your garden variety estate planning attorney. She wishes to provide services to those who are oh, I lost myself. She wishes to provide services to those who her area of the law has historically ignored. Being a unicorn does not mean she only serves people of color and or women, but it does mean she actively seeks to serve this demographic. If he is also a wife and a mom of four, she enjoys speaking about her experiences as a businesswoman, attorney, and mother. Y'all, we are still in the midst of a pandemic and there are so many things that are unknown. That's why Ify and I talk about the importance of thinking ahead when we don't know the future, why planning for the unexpected is necessary now, not later. And of course, she drops some knowledge on what the hell estate planning is and why it is for everyone. Ify, thank you so much for joining the Real Talk with Dumas podcast. How are you doing this morning? Jonathan, I am doing great. I loved your intro. Thank you. <laughs> I was like, oh. Yeah, no, I'm I'm excited to be on here and I, I, I can't wait to jump into the conversation. Yes, yes. I uh I am super excited too. I I think well I found you on this like, you know, pod match, which is basically like a um online matchy thing or whatever, you know. Um and so saw your bio and I knew I had to talk to you. One, because like you're just some phrases just popped out, looked it up on YouTube, just you're an incredible speaker, but also estate planning. We, we are still in a p- pandemic and um, I don't know what estate planning is. I kind of have an idea, <laughs> but I know it's, I, but from what I've seen, I know it's incredibly important. So I would love to, you know, uh, for you to share a little bit about yourself um, and introduce yourself to the real fam. Yes. Just so you know, you're the first person I've accepted on Podmatch. I just generally say no, because some of the okay. podcasts are <laughs> okay. so sketchy and I'm like, mm, but yours seemed really fun. So thank you awesome. for having me. Yes. I am an attorney evangelist. I'm a mom. I'm a writer. I'm a gardener. I love to travel and I love to use my gift, which is communication, in order to share something that I know 
more than the average person about, which is estate planning. And so um, in this season of my life, that's what I've been doing is really getting the word out there and trying to normalize something that automatically shuts down a lot of people <laughs> when yeah. they hear the term because they're like, that's not for me. So yep. um, that's what I've I've been passionate about. But it's not all I'm about. So I, whenever I get asked that question, it's really hard to say. Like, tell no, us I, about you. It's like, I was born on a Sunday evening. You know, yeah. how far? What do we want? What level of detail? So. Hey, that's great. That's great. Um, and also, I love to uh, plant and garden as well. I have, um, uh, I, I like to call myself plant zaddy, not necessarily oh, plant daddy. Hello. Yeah, yeah. So I have about like 20 some odd plants. So anytime I get a chance to, you know, shout out my plant babies, I will do that. Um, Listen, if you want to derail me, Start talking about plants. <laughs> I, I have a lot of plants in my home around me right now, and I'm That's not so going to derail this interview. So. All right. Okay. All right. I'll keep us on track, though. That's so great. All right. Maybe um, offline we'll talk about that. Yeah. Um, but I'm curious. So uh, before we started recording, um, we uh, you were saying that a lot of people started reaching out to you about estate planning um, and everything like that. How um, how have you seen that change? Is has Well, hold on. Let me ask this question. Has that changed in the pandemic? And what is that looking like now? What are people telling you um, when they're coming to you? Oh, absolutely. Um, it has completely changed in the pandemic. I think that estate planning is one of those areas of the law that when people hear the word estate, they automatically think property, cars, houses, land, wealth, and assume it doesn't apply to them. Mm -hmm. A huge component about of estate planning is planning for health care. Right. Mm -hmm. And so just to rewind a little bit, if you're 18 years old and you have the ability to make decisions for yourself, which means you're not like Britney Spears under some sort of conservatorship or guardianship, mm -hmm. you need an estate plan. We each have an estate, whether you're broke, whether you have student loans, whether you have debt, whether you rent, whether you own, whether you own enough in your eyes, you have an estate. And what that means is that there's somebody who has to make decisions for your health and finances if you're ever injured and can't do that for yourself or when you die. And those decisions include in a time like COVID, what happens if you're incapacitated? Mm -hmm. Who gets to make the call about the treatments you're going to get? Who gets to make the call about whether or not you're going to get life-sustaining treatment, right? Mm -hmm. You have to put those things down legally. And that is completely independent of how much money you have in the bank and whether you have arrived with your Bitcoin or whatever it is people are are accumulating. Yeah, Estate planning yeah. is also the process of transferring wealth. So from one generation to the next, whether it's a house, whether it's a bank account, there has to be someone in place to help you do that and a way to pass it on. And if you don't do anything, the state already has a plan for you. So that's my primer. Okay. I have seen such a shift in my practice because... Something like a global pandemic makes mortality very, very clear for, for a lot of people who think they have mm. time. And so my practice since 2020 has more than doubled. I've already surpassed last year's number, like sometime wow. last in the mid, uh, middle of the year. So estate planning has definitely seen a boom in the light of just all the turmoil with our lives literally hanging mm. in the balance. People are getting their affairs in order. And I just want to encourage you, you know, you don't have to be 80 or 60 or retired to do so. You can do that if you are single, if you have young kids, if you have older kids, if you're divorced, if you're having kids with IVF, it doesn't matter. 
it's mm-hmm. always the right time to get your your affairs in order. So there's definitely I've seen an uptick and a lot of my colleagues have seen an uptick as well. People are are really taking it seriously. Yeah. I used to work at a I used to manage um basically this office space and I had an estate uh, attorney in there. Um shout out Jill if she's listening. But the um but she yeah, she was I think the amount of meetings that she had increased during the, the um during COVID. I just noticed that and I, I didn't even like put two and two together of what estate planning was and then, you know, even connecting the two to COVID because mm-hmm. it, it really is a real threat and you just don't know. You you really don't Absolutely. know. You, you would hope even from from my spouse, from my partner, I would hope that she knows that like if I'm in a vegetative state, like don't just let me go. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? Like that's what I would want. Just let me go. It's totally fine. Um, but like it gets messy. It really does get messy if you don't have that like written in right. stone. It, yeah. So let me give you an example exactly to your point. And how old are you? I'm 30. You're 30. Okay. So back in the early 90s, maybe very early 90s, maybe late 80s, there was a woman. Her name was Terry Schiavo. She was 26 years old. She has this heart incident and ends up in a vegetative state. Mm. She's married, no kids, right? 26. Who's talking about an estate plan? Mm -hmm. Her husband and her parents decide they're going to do whatever it takes to make Terry better right? Mm. They're believing for a miracle. She's going to pull through. She's so young. Her future is bright. This is just some freak accident that they'll figure out. Mm. A few years pass. And then her husband, he starts to change his mind. He says, you know, when Terry and I had this conversation, she said, if I'm ever in some sort of a persistent vegetative state, I don't want to live like that. Mm -hmm. I think that Terry would not want to live like this. Guess who disagreed? Parents. Mm. What, was there any direction for that? Who's even thinking that that would be the order in which you'd go, right? Before yeah. your parents. And so they ended up having a very expensive court battle mm. um, that spanned years of litigation, costs, um, hiring attorneys. Attorneys always win in these, okay? Let me just tell you. Yeah. <laughs> um, and a breaking down and breaking up of a family just mm. because some paperwork wasn't put in place to say, I don't want this, or I do want this. And then assuming, oh, my spouse knows. Yeah, you tell your spouse, what if your parents disagree? Who goes, right? Do you go to court over that? And so it's, so people are just like, oh, I'm not going to do that because I'm young. I'm not going to do that because it's just filling out forms and I'll get to it. I'm not going to do that. I don't want to confront my mortality, whatever your excuse is. We don't know the day or the hour. So no one's leaving here, you know, (laughs) without dying. Okay. No one's getting just called up. And so it's just one of those things. It's uncomfortable, but these Mm. are very practical things that happen. And sometimes the downside of not putting your affairs in order is fighting and turmoil and the loss of property and more taxes and bills and just chaos on top of people grieving or trying to help you. Absolutely. And I I don't think I've even even piece together for for myself of like 18 like when i can start making these big decisions for oh, myself yeah. that like to put in a state plan cuz even at 18 like stuff can happen yeah. um how do you even communicate i mean even people my age like i can tell you like people aren't thinking about it uh, how, oh, no. how do you, how do you, people yeah, my how age you... aren't thinking about it and i got mm-hmm. a decade on you um yeah. 
it's so interesting when you talk about 18 year olds, especially if you're from a family where your parents are pretty much your decision makers, they're still taking you to the doctor, you know, as a teenager. And then one day you're 18 and then you're supposed to already know, oh, my parents aren't going to automatically have access to my (laughs) my transcript from school or my grades or they can't make a doctor's appointment for me and ask to see my records, or they can't just go to the bank unless their name's already on the bank and get access to my funds. Like you're no longer a minor. Yeah. In in my heart of hearts, I would love to change the entire country's perception of estate planning Mm. starting at 18. Right. And for people younger than 18, your parents or your, your loved ones have to make decisions to benefit you. So estate Mm. planning still affects people who are minors. But when you turn 18, no longer is it a given that mom or dad is going to be the one that does anything. You are legally an adult. And so you need to have some decisions you want to make about your health care, decisions about who's going to have access to your meager funds, right? Decisions mm-hmm. about what's going to happen to all the stuff on your walls, you know? So you need a property distribution document. You need a health care document, health care directives, and some sort of a financial directive. I think when you're 18, you can start real light. And then in some places, you know, you could have forms that say things like, um, my mom and dad can still have access to my grades, because they're paying mm. for school, right? And there are all these other things that are part of giving consent to other people to see what's going on in your life. Mm. And that starts at 18, even though we act like it starts at 81. Yeah. <laughs> that's when it really starts. As long as you have the power, there's no sort of disability stopping you from making decisions for yourself. Got it. Wow. Um, <laughs> I This past weekend, yeah, was it this past weekend? Everything's... Time is a blur. Anyway, so I, uh, me and um, some other family members helped my grandparents move. And we were going through all kinds of stuff, like so much stuff I didn't even realize that they still had from like years ago. Um, and so like, it's so funny that I'm having this conversation. I didn't even put two and two together again um, that I would be talking to you about estate planning and then help my grandparents move this past weekend. How... And I'm not trying... Okay, here's the thing that comes to mind is like, if I try and talk to my grandparents about like, or my mom even about like estate planning. It kind of seems like I'm trying to rush them <laughs> into the, the grave. grave. Yeah. 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 You know what I'm saying? I mean, how would you even recommend having these conversations? Yeah. Yeah. You know, so what I'm let saying? me give you some statistics to help. There's a, a study that came out, I think it's from caring.com that says 70% of Americans do not have a will. Mm. And there's so many reasons for that, right? Yeah. Culturally, yeah. Maybe they've had trauma from losing a loved one. Maybe they don't think they can afford it. Maybe they think they're too young, whatever it is. Maybe it'll end up jinxing them and putting them into an early grave. Or you're (laughs) just trying to get their stuff, right? Mm -hmm. Because there are some cultural considerations to make. I have heard every single excuse. Every single excuse. And so you can't just have the conversation one time, especially if Mm. you already know your people. So first of all, you know your grandparents, you know your parents. I tell people to start their estate planning themselves. Don't be one of those people who is <laughs> do as I say, not as I do, right? Mm-hmm. That doesn't hold much weight, especially when there is like a generational imbalance. Here you are at the bottom trying to tell them what to do and they've had all this life experience and they're like, where is this coming from? Yeah. A great place to come from is, hey, we sat down and we did our estate plan this weekend. 
And here's why we did it. Because we want to make sure that, you know, God forbid anything happens to us, we, we have instructions for what we would like to do. And you don't have to worry about making decisions for us because we've already made them ourselves. Have you done your estate plan? Is that something that you would like to do? And they might be like, I don't want to talk about this. This is Thanksgiving. How dare you bring this up? This is uncomfortable. You just want to get my house. We haven't talked to you, each other about. Yes, that will come for most people. But sometimes you don't get that response. You might get, tell me more about what, what you did. Tell me why you did it. And did something trigger you doing this at your age? Um, you can send them podcasts to listen to, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> this one. You can send them um, articles on it. On my website, I, I have a how to talk to your family during the holidays. Because mm. I feel like the holidays are coming up. A lot of people are going home this year and they're going to be sitting at the table where it might have been a, a long while since they've had an opportunity to sit with family in that way. It's a great time to start those sorts of conversations and start asking questions about what do you want your legacy to be? How do mm. you want us to remember you? Have you thought about what you would like to do? Um, and a lot of estate planning might even include long-term care. When you mm -hmm. retire, what would you like to do? Do you still want to live here? Do you want to downsize and move closer to us? Or, do you know what I mean? Have conversations yeah, nope, that, that you would sense. have. And then say, I think we need to get your wishes down in writing. I don't want to pressure you, but this is something we did. And we got a measure of relief knowing, like, for now, we have things in order. Happy to help you find lawyers. But that might be over the course of seven conversations, not just yeah, that's true. Uh, as the turkey goes in the mouth, right? Yeah. When are you yeah. dying? When, when yeah. are you giving me the house, right? Yep. <laughs> and so that's the mentality. It's a long game. And for some people, I always say this. Some people's parents and grandparents will not come around, mm -hmm. right? So no matter how um, proactive you are, they may never come around. But it doesn't mean you shouldn't try because they can come around. So yeah, just absolutely. play a long game. All right. And start All with right. yourself. Okay. No, that is that is great advice. I'm thinking, yeah. I already talked to my my partner yesterday and I said, hey, we, we probably need to look into this sooner rather than later just so that we just know. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and I also like how you put it into perspective of like, you really want to just know. It's good to have it in writing, like mm -hmm. conversations are great, but it's really good to have it in writing, put it put it in plain view, you do it now, you don't have to do it later. And we just know exactly what you want to do. Like I know I've and plenty of times I've had these passive conversations because I just like thinking about the future and all this other stuff. Yeah, and I just said, you know, Lance, just I I don't need to be put into a coffin. I just, you know, cremate me. Cremate it's, me. It's cheaper. You know, it's fine. It's super. It's cheaper. It's fine. I'll be okay. It's all right. People prepay and yeah. preplan their funerals. Yeah. If you ever want to get super morbid, there are people who <laughs> have themselves like, I consider it the equivalent of being taxidermied. Like you would stuff a, a deer or a, a pheasant or something. Mm -hmm. And they'll be playing cards on oh, a yeah. table or on a motorcycle, or in a boat. I mean, mm -hmm. I couldn't believe that that stuff is on Google Images, but it is. Wow. <laughs> and it's like, you can get as specific as you want to be, right? Mm -hmm. Even about how your funeral could, should go, where you should be buried, all mm -hmm. of that. Um, and you know what? It's crazy as it sounds, for those who will Google it, and as crazy as it looks, that person wanted to leave instructions so that decision can be made away from them. Yep. from whoever's helping them right absolutely and probably paid for because that is not cheap right no i, I bet 
absolutely not. Yeah. But they thought ahead of time, I'm going to write it down because I think it'd be so cool if I could do this. And they yeah. did it. Mm. And if, stay ready. You don't have to get ready. That's what, that's what right. my, <laughs> that's the saying that's in my family. Um, that is, that's so great. So we've talked a good amount about estate planning. What are like the basic things yeah. that go into an estate plan that, that you share with, um, with clients or people that you do yes. consultations with? I love always um, talking about this, the term estate plan or estate planning is an umbrella term. Okay. Right? And under that umbrella, you have things like your last will and testament, which is a will. You have things like a living will, which people think is a will, but that's more of that end of life document. Do you want to be kept in a vegetative state? Do you want to have all that? Like the Terry Schiavo document that really became popular after <laughs> the living oh, will became okay. popular after her. It's called yeah. an advanced directive. All of these are going to be called different things in different states. You're going to have a financial and medical power of attorney in your state. It could be a property power of attorney. It might be a statutory durable. Just know that the general concepts are that because you want to be able to appoint someone to make medical and financial decisions if you cannot. Right. Okay. And those are some important ones. Um, we haven't even gotten into trusts. There are certain ways that you can leave minors property. Right. They have to have someone in charge of that property. So they can't just outright get life insurance to their name. Okay. If you're under 18, you have to have it go somewhere to be used on behalf. And so for everyone listening, who's like, I have life insurance, I'm having it go to my sister so that if anything happens to us, she'll raise my kids. Well, if anything happens to her, that is her property. And so that might go to her family, her kids be lost because she passes away before anyone can claim it. And mm. you could, in effect, disinherit your children. So estate planning is also thinking about the strategies around stuff and why you don't leave property to another family member on behalf of your children. You leave it mm. to them in trust. Okay? So that's okay. a component. Also, that's burial instructions. Really good, yeah. Um, how to coordinate life insurance and brokerage accounts, beneficiary designations. You know, the things that if you work at a company, you have open enrollment that you're like, oh, yeah, yeah, I, I did that last year always want to keep all that stuff up because that is all part of your estate plan and it all matters. Okay. It all matters. Wow. All right. Is there any other, like, I would say like advanced things, like you say you have recurring clients or, or people that are listening to this and saying like, actually I have an estate plan and I've done it since 18. Like what, uh -huh. what are some things that they need to stay on top of right. as they're moving along um, with the estate plan? Um, I think as we speak, we have an infrastructure bill. Okay. In Congress that might completely change taxes throughout mm. the United States that will severely affect the middle class. Okay, so the infrastructure bill that IFI is referring to here kind of sort of passed. The BIF, which is the Bipartisan Infrastructure Framework, passed and was signed into law back in November of 2021, I think. However, that was part, like one part of something that was supposed to be a two-parter. Um, in comes the BBB, or the Build Back Better Infrastructure Bill, which is what Ify is talking about here. So the BBB was looking to invest much needed money into what is being called people infrastructure. An article out of Time Magazine outlined seven of the bill's most significant provisions. The first one was $555 billion to fight climate change. Another was $400 billion for universal pre-K, $200 billion for child tax credits, which was just only gonna be a one-year extension of the child tax credit that was already in place which was negotiated by Joe Manchin. I'm going to get to his 
uh, punk ass in a second. But two hundred billion um, for four weeks paid leave, one hundred and sixty-five billion in healthcare spending, another one hundred and fifty billion uh, to expand affordable uh, home care, and another um, finally one hundred and fifty billion for affordable housing. Now these are all great things, and a lot of the pushback from Republicans or those who were against it, Joe Manchin and Cinema, was that how are we going to pay for it? The thing is, is that we never question when we talk about like wars, when we talk about other things, we never question how we're going to pay for it. So when it talks about, and only, I, I just can't believe this, when we talk about investing in people and improving the lives of American citizens, the number one thing is always how are we going to pay for it? Figure it out. Figure it out. I'm sorry. I'm like so frustrated about this. Figure it out. It's not difficult. It is not hard. We literally can figure it out. Tax the rich. Tax the 1%. What That'll pay for it. Easy. Easy. Anyways, I'm sorry. I'm, I got ahead of myself. I get so angry when I think about it. But, you know, it seems like the Republicans are hell-bent of not passing anything, even though all of the items I just said would benefit their own constituents because they want to play politics and be hella petty, which makes no freaking sense. And it's also wild because a lot of times if something like this passed, those same people that voted nay or against it would actually claim like they were for it. That's why it is incredibly important, y'all, it is incredibly important to not only hold your um, representatives accountable uh, on like showing up and doing what they say they're going to do, but also seeing how they vote. You know, because they'll take credit for something that they did not stand for because it will look bad um, with the Republican Party, with the whip or whatever. That's what happens. And it happens on both sides. I'm not going to say it's just Republicans, but I'm just like I'm keying in on this one thing here. Um, and uh, getting even don't get me started on Joe Manchin, because like this dude is a straight liar. He had no intention of negotiating in good faith because he never outlined any actual want or desire or anything that was beneficial for the uh, fulfilling or, or or holding his end of the bargain when it came to the BBB. He had no interest in doing that. And it proved that when he announced that the deal was dead on Fox News of all places without even communicating to the Biden administration, without even communicating to um, Democratic leaders or anything like that. He made that announcement all on his own and then tried to play the victim when he got backlash against it. It is ridiculous. Joe Manchin is a spineless coward. So, um... I could go on and on and on. I already went way too long on this little insert because I was so angry. Um, this could be a podcast on its own. Um, I'm not going to do that because I just get furious. But what I will encourage you to do is look into it yourself. But be warned, you might get as pissed as I get um, when you look into it. And Joe Manchin. Oh, my gosh. All right. Let's get back to the conversation. That will affect your estate plan because currently the federal estate tax is... Um, 11.7 to $8 million mm. per person, right? States have individual state taxes that you might have to consider. And I know for somewhere like in Massachusetts, it's about a million dollars before you have a taxable estate. Texas doesn't have a state estate tax. It doesn't have a death tax, right? Every mm. state is different. Laws change. You get married, you get divorced, you have children, you um, move to a different state. So if you have any kind of life change, right, um, or every three to five years is what I say, just, I mean, that's, I would say every three years, but 
You have to come and have it reviewed to make sure it's still good. People fall out with people that they appoint in their estate plan from three years ago. It's like, I haven't spoken to my sister. I don't want her making a life and death call. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> We don't yeah. even talk anymore, yeah. right? So you're, you never arrive with estate planning. You do have to come back. It's so interesting you say this. This month I've had several past clients come back and want to review their stuff because it's mm. been a few years and one of them has lost a child. Wow. Um, one lost a parent. One of them wants to add a trust now because they want to make it more streamlined. So many things happen and you really have to really keep that front of mind because not getting it updated can also disinherit or end up giving things to people you never want to have those things versus who you would want. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Okay, I, I'm I'm just thinking about even and um, you mentioned culturally how how some folks would react to estate planning. I'm curious, like how has how has your own story played a role in the, in the work that you do and the people that you you work with? Like, how did you even get into estate oh, planning? Man. I feel like it's so and uh, not an obscure, but like I don't hear. It I, is. I, I, yeah, I is it okay? All right, because yes. I, I I mean, um, I. I uh, when I was an undergrad, my goal was to go to law school and I quickly mm-hmm. changed by my senior year. But um, yeah. I'm just really curious how you well, landed here. Well, should have come because only 5% of lawyers are black. Oh, uh, yeah. That was a big reason why United I wanted States, to. That's wild. And of that number, 2% are women. So mm. I am um, not of the 5%, but 2% of that 5% are women. So I'm like mm. a very, very, very minority lawyer. Mm-hmm. Um And so even amongst lawyers, estate planning is one of those areas where people are like, what am I working with the Hiltons? Like, who do I know? (laughs) Right. It's very, there are these white shoe law firms and Mm. those are the firms you think of that represent big money people, like maybe the Mm. Clintons, you know, these legacy family names, Um, probably think people like the Kardashians now, I'm, I'm sure Beyonce and Jay-Z, those sorts of families where they're working with multi-millions, billions, there are estate planning lawyers who are managing that. Sometimes they have a family office. That's a whole other conversation. You can Google that. But there are wealth managers and financial planners and estate planners and CPAs and a whole team involved in making sure that their assets are protected, strategized with for tax purposes, disseminated Mm. to the beneficiaries on an annual or monthly basis, used to buy homes and cars and pay down stuff. So, you know, so when you think of estate planning, I think that even lawyers think more along the lines of it's for people with a lot of stuff Mm. that needs to be managed and planned for, not for regular people like me. And so that's how I felt when I was in law school and I went through um, trusts and estates. I was just like, trusts and estates, that's not for regular people. <laughs> and it wasn't until um, after 11 years of practice, I actually ended up being terminated from my job, but I kept my kids in daycare. And one of my friends was uh, working at a financial planning firm. And she said that the guy that they were referring business to was putting the wrong names on wills, this attorney. And what? do I do wills? And I was like, do? Yes, I do. I Mm. do now. And then I freaked out and I had to learn so much and go back and take courses and start practicing with a lot of great mentors. Mm. But even before that all happened, my father passed away my 1L. It was my first year of law school after 
the first semester. He, he died right before the end of my first semester. Oh, gosh. And I remember my he didn't have an estate plan. I didn't know. And I hadn't even gotten to trust an estate. So mm, yeah. <laughs> that was my third year. I didn't know okay. anything about wills and trusts and stuff, but he didn't have one. And I knew that my mom had to hire a lawyer, go probate, which is the process of closing down someone's life, pay for mm. it. And the first thing she did when she was done was do her, her, estate, her own estate plan because she knew mm. It was just a nightmare. It was very expensive. Either way, you're going to pay. And yep. it's cheaper to do it ahead of time. In fact, she's since just redid it last summer. But um, that was in 2004. And that was the first time because she used me as an agent for her her financial power of attorney. Okay. Right. To be the person that can make decisions for her. And I remember thinking, this is so morbid. You're not going to die. And she even did stuff like buy her own burial plot right by my dad's because she's like ah, people are continuing to die they're going to take this spot and I remember being like are you insane mm, mm. why are you buying you know and now I'm like oh my gosh he'd be a dream client you know what yeah. I mean like, <laughs> put everything in there and hand that yep. over and her kids would know it's just it completely was the seed that was planted that I didn't even know until mm. in retrospect I look back and say oh my mom started all of this She's wow. the one who made it real because I have the paperwork. Wow. That's, that's, that's wild that that, that has. So from that moment on, so you were already practicing mm-hmm. law for 11 years and then you transitioned to yes. um, wills and trusts and all that stuff. Okay. That's, that's so yes. cool. <laughs> my fourth wow. year doing this. This is my second go. legal career. I did um, right. school law and I just did contract law for a nonprofit. I did a lot of reviewing contracts, writing contracts and boring paperwork like that. So mm-hmm. no, that's great. And then for, for you uh, now, you said I, you started your own practice mm-hmm. um, and you mentioned that it's your fourth year. Um, what like pushed you or like planted that thought in your mind to, to start your own practice and, and really uh, help the people that you wanted to help? Well, I got fired Oh, yeah, that's right. You just said, okay, that's what pushed you. Yeah. And I was going to leave the law because I was so embarrassed. I'm not the type of person that would ever consider myself the type to get fired. You know, Mm. just generally clients have really enjoyed me. I've enjoyed, you know, even my former boss who terminated me, I still enjoy and have such fondness um, for those experiences because I knew I had to get out of there. I hated my job. But I wasn't going to leave because I had on-site daycare and I had benefits. And, mm-hmm. you know, what was I complaining about? My kids could go downstairs and I'd been there for 10 years, right? I'd just wow. gotten my 10-year party and gotten a watch or whatever that I never picked up. Yeah. And um, so I was like a lifer, like old mm. school lifer at a company. And I was probably, probably still be there if they hadn't let me go. And so I was so embarrassed because I, I couldn't believe that I had been terminated um, and it was just such a blow to my ego. And mm. I thought, I'm just going to leave. I'm going to do HR. I'm going to let my license lapse. 11 years is a good run for any attorney. Mm. And um, I didn't. I didn't end up doing that. I ended up listening to my husband who said, hey, before you let your license lapse, you went to a lot of school and you're one of the few people that's still practicing law. Like, why don't you try seeing if you could get a client? And I'm like, I can't get a client. You know, <laughs> nobody wants to hire me. I'm not a good lawyer. Clearly, no one wants to keep me as an employee. Because I always thought lawyers who work for themselves couldn't get jobs. And I'd been mm. applying and I was like finalist. And then they'd go with the other attorney and you're like, oh. it's like, what is going on? I thought I won yep. you over. 
And so I ended up getting my first client and they paid that retainer and it hit my bank account. And I was like, oh, what is this dopamine dopamine hit? I need another one. And that's literally how it started. Yes, yes. I just uh, closed like two or three clients myself and it really is a good like it's there's no it's very few things are better. I mean, that does fade when your your finances stabilize, but yeah. <laughs> I just want to know like the money doesn't always motivate you like it does at the beginning, but yeah. just keeping in perspective that you can go out there and make work for yourself. And I've started even thinking about other things that I can do now that I'm I'm building a personal brand, which I hate that term actually. Yeah. Um, yeah. but I have to separate some of my legal work cuz I'm writing a book, I speak. Mm. So I started an LLC and then I was like, wait a minute, I could get like sponsorships, Mm, you know, I use product X. I should write them and say, hey, I got a little but loyal following and here's what I I present about and I'd love to do a post about your product because I use it and I love it. Mm. And my friend actually suggested this and I said, well, can I do that? Yeah. Can I just pitch them? And I'm like, well, I pitch podcasts all the time. I mean, mm-hmm. I pitch speaking gigs all the time because it's something I really love. And there are certain things I use that I really love or in my mm-hmm. garden, like a certain fertilizer company I'm going to pitch yeah. because I love their fertilizer. It's so mm-hmm. good. And so what about the possibilities there? You know, I love that about how this has morphed into just so much more than estate planning or owning your business is like, wow, what are, what's out there? What can we do in that space? So that is, that is so cool. And I love how, like, cause I, uh, I kind of have that, uh, for me, like how I, how I got into my own business was that like, I just was so exhausted. Like I was so, yeah. so tired. Like I had, and I always say this story, but the story is just so wild to me that I always have to tell it to, to like put in perspective of what I was dealing with. Like I was, I was managing like this office building, like this just very large office space. And um, somebody like was like literally yelling at my yelling at um, one of my folks on my team because like a tree grew too tall and was blocking their view. Their light. Oh, yeah. It was blocking their view. Not even their a light. lawyer. Was... It sounds like a lawyer. No, he was a salesperson for a very large company. Um for it starts with a P, but um, they uh, so like yeah, he like yelled at them multiple times, and and uh, I had over a tree, and I said, and we had to, I had to tell him, I said that we have no control over that tree, <laughs> we're not, we're not um arborists, we don't, uh, we can't, absolutely yeah, not. Like, you know, like no one's getting up there with a ladder and a saw, okay? Yeah, yeah, and this is not our property, so we can't literally cut down somebody else's tree. Like, what? What do you want from us? Who and cuts like, down trees? What a jerk! Yeah. So it was. It was completely wild. So like, it was instances like that that just reminded me of like, I'm just exhausted. I'm tired. I don't want to do this anymore. And I also wasn't even really that passionate. I mean, yeah. COVID changed everything, but COVID changed my job and all of the things that I loved about it. And so mm-hmm. I got out of it and just really chased my organizational psychology thing and tried to start consulting, got certified as a coach and helping people like um, enjoy the things that they love to do and, yes. and finding and finding and sparking that joy in their job again, or at least their job as a means to an end. And if you want to make more money to, to travel and do all the, the things that you love yes, to do, let's, so let's be make it. it happen. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So for you, how, um, how, I, I guess has, 
what is like made that mind sh- that change? Because there's obviously a change from like four years ago where like oh. you're just really demoralized from, you know, yeah. being let go from your job to like now where you're looking at all these different avenues and, and kind of like that. Um, what's the word I'm thinking of? Um, creativity, ingenuity, mm-hmm. like drive and passion to, to find new and creative ways of, yes. of doing what you love. Um, so, so much has changed. I've, I've gotten coaching mm. on how to practically and strategically start a business. Love I've it. also, um, coaching works y'all coaching works. I'm it just does. Put that out there. It, it works. So I found other entrepreneurs because one thing, I don't know if you've noticed this about hanging your own shingle, starting your own thing is that people don't come along. Mm-hmm. I mean, they might be like, that's great. Or they might be like, what I got was a lot of like, hey, this person's hiring. Clearly, I see you out here flailing. <laughs> you must be in need of work, right? And yeah. this is like the building stage. And I use the plant analogy to describe this. It's like when you have a seed that's starting to germinate. Mm-hmm. That's what it's like to start as an entrepreneur. You're mm-hmm. germinating a seed. So you got to be so delicate with it. You don't want to just put it out in the middle of the garden where you know, it could easily get trampled on. You have it in a little starter pot, mm-hmm. <laughs> you yep. know, on a windowsill because you can't get too much sun and it can't get too much water. And you want to make sure that it doesn't, you know, that you transplant it at the right time after the frost is over, all the gardening stuff. Okay. That's what business is like. And sometimes when we start, we want to like tell the whole world and get their approval. But it's like just having boots, just trampling on your little starter plant. Okay. And that took me a long time to understand is like, it's not for everybody to know. It's not a Mm -hmm. secret, but my reaction cannot be tied to somebody else's approval of my new turn in life. And also when people make changes like that, when you're a lawyer and you're like, I'm starting my own law firm. It's like, why go get a job as a lawyer? You know, (laughs) why are you leaving a sure thing or, you know, stable thing you went to a good school you have great contacts you have network we're not in a downward uh, economy you know and so just surrounding yourself with encouraging people and getting the actual training and coaching that you need um, or learning more if you're not doing coaching like I'm not saying coaching is the answer for everything yeah yeah. that's what I did and then along the way the most helpful thing for me and what I continue to develop is my mindset because mm. I can be very excited at the beginning that somebody paid me but I could also go to that point now where I'm like oh my gosh I have a team of six what if we never have another client mm. so that when you have that payday come through it doesn't feel like a dopamine hit like four years ago it feels like scarcity Like, okay, that's enough for this week, but what about next week, right? And so Mm -hmm. a lot of that panic, and I'm sure you've seen those uh, diagrams of entrepreneurship just being like this roller coaster. It's like up and then it's down. It's up and then it's down. It is just like that. But Mm -hmm. I cannot imagine myself applying for a job. Mm -hmm. And whatever it takes to constantly improve and to get things just marginally better, like just 1%. Right. Not 100 percent turn around the ship, but we're just marginally turning things around. That's what I've done in order to keep this business going. And this is the part that, you know, I have recently discovered because I tend to be someone who is so in love with entrepreneurship that I could just do it all night. 
Mm. and wake up early in the morning and continue just because there's always something to improve on. There's always something to do. Yeah. Ready to do that. My number one Clifton strength is actually maximizer, oh, which is yeah. someone who is always improving. So yep. me and entrepreneurship, it I just get a lot of stuff done, but I have mm-hmm. to stop. I take Mondays off. I take the weekends off. And mm-hmm. the rest of my calendar looks absolutely crazy sometimes. <laughs> but it's like by Friday, I cannot do more. Yeah. And um, there's some things that I want to do. And I might be like, you know, I'm going to take all of Saturday off. And then Sunday afternoon, I'm going to get this in because I'll still have Monday. And my body is literally like, no, ma'am, you cannot. Mm. Did you see your calendar for next week? You got to rest up. Go ride your mountain bike. Get in the garden. Go take your kids to the playground, um, mm-hmm. you know, do something else because that's the way that you rest. Just like if you yeah. work out, you got to rest and let your muscles heal. It's the same thing with any kind of work you do like this. It's you just can't keep going or you'll burn out or it becomes drudgery. So, yeah, absolutely. And, I, and that's one thing that I've I'm trying to catch on early because um one one of the things that I know that that works that like you need to do as an entrepreneur is be consistent is mm-hmm. to show up show up be consistent put yourself out there you know whatever you need to do um uh negotiate your rates and like keep be firm in that don't um, take the first offer yes don't take anything. the first offer yep um, I, you know what I'm a, I'm gonna come back to that I have a I, I got a question on uh, for that um but uh the other thing is like finding creating those boundaries between work and also um work in in your life you know what mm-hmm. i'm saying uh and and having like a uh people say work um work life balance it's like really like work life harmony yes uh, and and how do those two, two things work in tandem especially because you're your own you know manager boss whatever you want um and, and you're running the show and also for somebody who's more advanced you got people that are working for you so like how oh, do you yeah. set the tone for um, for your company and whatnot. And so, no, that is, that is, that's great advice. Thank you so much for sharing that. Sure. All right. I'm going to go back to the negotiating piece because I, I love we need to touch on this. All right. So, um, both of us being, uh, black folks, I, I, I'm, I have found that people don't want to pay me for like, honestly, they think that my advice or like, because I work in diversity, equity, inclusion, and justice work that like, I can just give this advice for free, but I got rates. And so, mm-hmm. um, for you, as somebody who 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 has like, essentially your knowledge is is a, a lot of, of of what your people are paying for, how are, how do you like not put a value on that knowledge, but essentially like how do you stay firm in like this is what it is because yeah. this is what it is <laughs> because I know what other people charge and it's as soon as I gave myself permission to whether it's my estate planning rates, which I let people know is an investment, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it, it does take a lot. Like this is the only area of law that I specialize in. Um, and I, I use the word specialized, but I should say that I, I um, focus on because there's a board specialization. I'm not board certified. So okay. this is my focus. I'm not doing your divorce. I'm not going to do a bankruptcy for you. I can't do a real estate lease, but I can get your estate plan in order. My team Mm -hmm. and I, that's what we do. And we charge accordingly. You know, yes, you'll always find someone who is cheaper. There's always someone who is going to do it for free. And I have been that person. And it's not easier because they still will give you a run for your money. And I've actually found that by standing by my rates and being okay, like just having a palm open mentality, come when you're ready and we will serve you. But I'm not going to 
discount it mm-hmm. anymore. I did I did that for years because I didn't trust that people would come if I stood behind my prices. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm not going to do it for free. And I'm not going to give you any legal advice because I can't. You're not my client and I'm not going to risk my law license just because you want to find out something you can easily Google or look at the 60 blog posts I've written, <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> you know, about yeah. these things so that you can actually learn about them. And so that's, that's my philosophy on that is, hey, listen, whether I'm speaking somewhere, I, even if they offer me an honorarium and we were mentioning, talking about this before recording, my instinct is to always counter. Mm-hmm. Even if I would, in my flesh, just do it for free, I'm countering. Yeah. Tell me no. Like, go back and ask. <laughs> yep. You know, I was actually on the phone with a woman, and uh, I, I recently negotiated my dream speaking gig, which doesn't even feel like a dream because it's three years later, and I'm just in a different place, and I'm like, gosh, I need bigger dreams. Because um, <laughs> it just it just it seems very appropriate for where I am now. But when I was starting, you're like, oh, my, one day I mm-hmm. could be on that stage. Well, now I'm on that stage and I don't even have to get on a plane. I can just be in my home and get mm. paid five times more than they offered. Wow. Just because I said, Mm-mm. and I want to be on your website and I want to be on your podcast and I want to write a blog article so I can mm. have backlinks to my website and yep. have ways to, to promote my SEO, you know, like thinking like a business person, how can this yep. work? And they gave me five times what I, what they initially offered. But wow. if I had said yes, that's thousands of dollars Yep. Mm. for an hour's presentation. Like I never thought that I would be valuing my time at that rate. Right. Mm-hmm. And so there was another um, corporate gig that came up, same setup, one hour webinar, easy. Like it feels easy talking about cultural competency and estate planning. <laughs> which is actually mm-hmm. very DEI adjacent where I'm like, get a DEI person. They're like, we want to hear from a lawyer and how you do it. I'm like, look, <laughs> I am not an expert. I, you know, I'm just <laughs> telling you, y'all can't just be putting white hands and white people up on your estate planning website and thinking that it's signaling that it's a safe space for all kinds of people. It's just not, yeah. right? Yeah. So another opportunity came up and she's like, here's the offer. And I said, oh, no, I'm not going to be able to do not for that that hour i'm not doing that for an hour i know what i pay this company as a member every month Mm. and i'm like y'all need to give me like six months back and i already have a presentation mind you and i already know what i'm going to say but it's just like standing up and she's like i love that you're pushing back i'm taking it back to the team do you know that their lawyers we've offered this to they don't even ask and they'll do it for free and we have a stipend so for everyone listening who wants to get into speaking they're trying to save money, okay? They yep. have a budget. But if yeah. you don't ask, they're not offering a lot of the time. So that's my advice. Always counter. I also grew up in the Middle East. I'm Nigerian by origin. I love a barter. Yeah. Anything is negotiable. If I see a tear on a, a shirt, I want to talk to the manager. I'm like the Karen. <laughs> I'm like the Sharon, you know, who's like... <laughs> Listen, uh, who's the manager? I'm not saying full price because I see here that there's a fraying. And I get discounts and my husband's mortified by it. But it's the same philosophy. Because halfway across the world, that's what everybody does. Yeah. Do you know I barter at the grocery store? 
You, you you know you can barter more often than than you than we we you can think barter you anywhere. Can. Yeah, oh, anywhere, anywhere. Yeah, That's I have so returned funny. a yeah. watermelon, <laughs> and my husband was mortified. I said, "No, it's mealy. Uh, I, I can wait, do an was exchange." It open? I cut it up. Yeah, yeah I put it in the Ziploc. <laughs> I return it. I did, uh, and he was like, "You go. cannot." I said, uh, "They're selling old fruit, and you want me to." You know, when you want like a yep. watermelon in Texas, it's like summer and crisp yeah. and like, and then it's all like grainy because it's old. Oh yeah. yeah, I'm that person. And I actually That's learned hilarious. it from my, my, I have a white friend who is very wealthy and her mom does stuff like this. That's and hilarious. And I remember thinking, if Miss Martha does this, who am I to be above this? Like, yeah, you got to do, do it. it. Do it. I do. I'm like, I will stand in line. I will get store credit. You know, I am. Yes. Yes. It, but it's, it's not to be ridiculous and just waste mm-hmm. my time doing that. But it kind of exercises the muscle that paying for a service, mm-hmm. pay, paying for a product or a good, right? Yep. You deserve a good quality. Same thing as someone's coming to you and wants your service. There's a price for that and an expectation mm-hmm. like I'm going to deliver. Don't just charge to charge, but deliver, you know? Yeah. Yeah. People will pay. Yeah. And there's a difference between being and you. You said a really good point There's a difference between like being ridiculous and like just being firm and and what uh-huh. you expect out of like a service and what you expect from people when you're doing business with them. You won't, yeah. you, you know, it's a two way street. You can't just don't disrespect me with and lowball me with, oh, with this right. or whatever. Yeah. But um, if you don't have yeah. an idea of what your boundaries are, I, I've recently been asked to speak at a church and I said, what's your budget? Mm-hmm. And then they were like, we don't really have one. We have kind of a big budget right now. So make an offer. And I did. And I thought it was like a great offer. And they're like, oh, absolutely. And then I was like, oof, should have gone higher. But yeah. it was something that I felt like I would totally do this for this price. Mm-hmm. And yeah. it felt like great. So yeah, awesome. Well, thank you so much for spending time. I just wanted, well, first I want to ask one more question because mm-hmm. this is a. I just love this tagline of yours. It's like estate planning is for everyone, mm-hmm. um, and we've talked about all of the reasons, the myriad of reasons of why we should be doing estate planning. I'm putting myself in there, um, but we're thinking about. But I think about like the marginalized communities, those people that do not think about estate planning, don't even know those words. Those two words go together. What is some advice for them that you would say uh, that you would communicate not only the importance of estate planning, Mm -hmm. but how they can get started um, with this uh, planning their estate? I love that you use the term marginalized communities, because I think sometimes when we think of margins, we think automatically think the least of these Mm -hmm. less than when it comes to estate planning. Statistics will show you that marginalized means generally non-white. Okay, Mm -hmm. and that is is immigrants. It spans different um, ethnic groups, Mm -hmm. income levels, right? Um, Experiences, assets, everything. And so we are all marginalized, you know, when it comes to estate planning, even women are marginalized because women historically in this system were property, right? They, they were passed from their husbands and for their fathers to their husbands. And Mm. so there isn't even a legacy of women estate planning, right? Which is why I focus so much on women estate planning. And fun fact, we do not have an equal rights amendment, which says that a woman is equal to a man in America, right? We do not. That is 100% true. We do not. We do not. And so much less other genders, right? And people Mm -hmm. who identify on the spectrum, like there's Mm -hmm. nothing And so consequently, as a result of a thousand year old 
English law of property transfer, it usually was a landowning Englishman or white guy, right? Mm -hmm. They were transferring enslaved people, cattle, property. The wives were coming with property, right? Mm -hmm. In marriage. Yeah. So that's what we're dealing with. And that's how we ended up here is because estate planning was never designed for you. Right. Mm. If you were one of those people who's outside of the tradition of who you think of, like the Scrooge McDucks of estate planning, that was a DuckTales reference, by the way. No, I, I got I lost you on that. <laughs> I, got... I was like, oh, how old are you? You don't no, know Scrooge McDuck? It. You're like, I'm like, is he really listening intently? No. Or he's like, who the heck is Scrooge McDuck? No, I... You know? Yeah. Just swimming in coins. Like, yeah. wealth. Well, we well, are DuckTales. I know, I know. Yeah, DuckTales. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so if you find yourself not relating to that, you need an estate plan because estate planning is for everyone. And the downside of it is really the bleeding of wealth. There's mm. a statistic that came out. Prosperity Now had this statistic in 20, I want to say 2017 or 19, but don't quote me on that. Okay. But it said by the year 2053, Black people were on track to be worth zero dollars have zero mm. wealth for latinx community that number was 2073 mm-hmm. i have a really good friend portia wood who says we haven't even taken COVID into account when it comes yes. to the losses of certain communities right yep when you think about people fighting over grandma's house which is the really good example like grandma has this house in a gentrified neighborhood It is worth a lot of money, but it's not going to three heirs. One of the heirs might be somebody with back debts. One might be a gambler. One might have child support issues. What happens? You sell the house and you split it three ways, pay off the creditors, you know, and squander that from being passed on with a a tool like estate planning by saying, ah, you know, Jimmy's got some gambling issues. Let's protect this asset from him because he will sell. Right. So if you want that to be kept in the family, you have to make a plan. So you don't have to have a lot of money, but you have to have a plan in place. Because if you don't have a plan, like I said earlier, the state will decide. So listening to all of this, I know people have examples of when things went horribly wrong because somebody died and people were fighting or somebody died and people didn't have the money to put them in the ground. So they're crowdfunding. You know, these are all examples of things that we need to start seeing and saying, ooh. This is not, this is a wake up call. Like this should not be the norm. Mm. And so um, I would just say, really believe that estate planning is for you and it is for us. And we're no longer under a system where we don't have access to it. So we need to use it. And the best thing to do is, you know, figure out your questions, but contact three to five estate planning attorneys and talk to them. See how they make you feel, see what their rates are and see whether you feel comfortable that they get you enough to get what you want accomplished accomplished and that's where i'd start absolutely awesome thank you so much ify i really do appreciate it this was so fun i learned so much yeah (laughs) can you go ahead and share with the real fam like um where they can find you um links i want to be able to like um uh, promote you as best you can promote your yeah. practice. I do have a good following in Arkansas and uh, oh, in hey. Texas as well. Yeah. So come you know. through Northwest yeah. Arkansas, <laughs> yes. Bentonville. Um, yeah. So I'm in uh, Northwest Arkansas and Austin. I feel like a dual resident, but I really do live in Arkansas and I need to get over it. It's okay. <laughs> phenomenal. I'm not knocking Arkansas um, where I live. And so you can find me on Instagram at Ify Ibekwe Esquire, Ify Ibekwe ESQ. Um, I also am 
uh, available if you are interested in getting an estate plan in Arkansas or in Texas at willsintexas.com. That's my website. Um, if you Google me, I come up because I've been speaking a lot about this stuff. So you can find me there, um, LinkedIn, Facebook, all of the things. I'm not on Snapchat. I'm not on TikTok. I'm barely <laughs> doing reels, but I just did one that was very successful. So check it out. That, I saw that reel you dropped well, yesterday or the day before where you, it that's was my, hilarious. <laughs> that's my best one. I had to dance for the algorithm to push it out, which I do not like. It's so stupid. Uh, but, it's so stupid. But yep. I try and make it relatable. So wherever you find me, please hit me up, reach out. And um, one of the things I love to say is let me know if you get your estate planning done. Because mm. now I'm really excited to hear when people are like, I listened to you. I booked a thing with a lawyer because I can only represent people in the states I'm licensed in. So yep. wherever you are, let me know if you actually do it and get got your estate plan. That would just be so cool to keep track of all the people who took action based on my silly Instagram reel, you know? Oh, that would be so dope. That'd be awesome. Awesome. Well, Ify, thank you so much. Um, I will be sure to plug all of your information in the show notes so that uh, folks can find you and also work with you. Um, but yes, this was awesome. Thank you so much for having me. And, and I can't wait to listen. Absolutely. Shout out to Ify once again for dropping so much knowledge, wisdom, um, we recorded that a while ago and I forgot like how much she was really giving us for free y'all. So if you're in Arkansas, if you're in Texas, hit her up. All of her information's in the show notes, follow her on socials, all of that good stuff. Yeah, that it's, uh, like I said, I'm, this is the second week in a row. I got some more stuff coming at you. Um, next week is February, which is uh, Black History Month, but as we all know, Black History is every single day 365 but what i'm going to be actually doing is doing a series called celebrate black and what i'm going to be doing for celebrate black uh is have a guest on the show talking about um what they do why they love what they do and just i want to just celebrate the work that they're doing because i have come across some incredible 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 people and i just want to introduce them to y'all so um be sure to check out um the upcoming episodes they're going to be dope um but that's all i got for y'all today this podcast was produced by myself, Jonathan Dumas. Additional production help by the incomparable Lindsay Dumas with music by the oh-so-talented Mr. Tony Deras. Don't forget to like, subscribe, share, and leave a review. It really helps folks discover the show. Till next time, y'all. Peace. <laughs>